Hello, and welcome to the Traffic and Leads Podcast, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away. Online marketing expert, Lindsay Anderson, known internationally as One Click Lindsay, and her dedicated online marketing specialists at trafficandleads.com know that today's growing businesses thrive on targeted website traffic that converts into leads with just one click. Whether your business is struggling right now or your thriving business needs even more fuel for growth, you've come to the right place. So sit back and get ready to learn how to grow your business one click at a time. Please welcome your host of the Traffic and Leads podcast, One Click Lindsay. Hey everybody, welcome to the Traffic and Leads podcast. I am your host, One Click Lindsay, and today we have a super special guest. His name is Kai Davis. Now let me tell you a little bit about Kai. Kai helps consultants fill their pipeline and close more deals. He teaches business owners how to grow an audience of their dream and how to get more buyers and then how to nurture and convert leads into buyers, excuse me. And he's also recently published a book that we're going to find out more about. And the name of that book is the traffic manual. So we're going to ask him about that. He's multi-talented. He knows a ton about podcasting, a ton about traffic. So let's just bring Kai on and start quizzing him now. Hey, Kai, how's it going? Hey, it's great. Thank you so much for having me on. Sure. Did I miss anything in the intro that you would like to let my listeners know? I I think you hit all the high points. Thank you so much for that beautiful intro. (laughs) Sure. So let's just get down and dirty to this, the traffic manual book. That sounds like something right along the lines of what my listeners would be interested in. Tell me all about it. Absolutely. So the traffic manual is a book I authored and uh, published in December of this past year that breaks down a systematic, repeatable process for consultants, business owners, anybody who's really selling something online, be it a service or a product, to generate more traffic, more leads, and more buyers for their their thing. And the process really dives into how to identify relevant communities online made up of your best buyers, your dream clients, build relationships with the people who are in charge of those communities, and find an opportunity to expose those communities to your product or your content or your service. And the traffic manual really focuses on podcasts as those types of communities. Because when we think about it, whenever somebody appears as a guest on a podcast, they're getting a chance to talk to 50, 500, 5,000 or more buyers who represent their ideal buyers have a conversation like we're having right now about the guest's area of expertise and then end with a call to action to bring those listeners, the ones who are ready and willing to raise their hand to the guest site where they could learn more and become a member of the guest's audience. So I found podcasting to be a wonderful channel for inbound marketing leads for any type of business. Okay, so let's break that down a little bit. Number one, how do I find podcasts that have that have listeners that will fit my buyer personas great question so the first thing we need to answer there is well who exactly is our audience who are we trying to reach i had worked with a client once when i asked them that question they said well our ideal client sort of spans the gap kai uh, single mothers uh stay-at-home self-employed employees uh stoners and uh uh entrepreneurs and i'm like this is going to be a little hard there's a couple of audiences there, why don't we pick one? So the first question that's really valuable to answer is, who exactly is that persona? Who are we trying to reach and how are we positioning ourselves to reach them? Let's say, for example, we're trying to reach an audience of freelancers and consultants. Good audience to try to reach online. Once we determine who that audience is, we move forward into looking 
at what type of podcasts we could find that reach that audience. And a few different strategies I like to use there. Some are really obvious on the surface. Some are a little deeper. Searching in iTunes and seeing like, well, what freelancing and consulting podcasts are out there? Searching in Google, just using keywords like freelance podcast or consulting podcast and starting to build a list that way. I also like finding uh, directories of podcasts. My latest favorite one is cast.market. It's actually an exchange for podcasts to find sponsors, but it has a really nifty search engine built in where you could say like, find me any podcasts in their description that list this keyword and guest. So you could go on there, search consultant plus guest and see, okay, here's 50 podcasts that are about consulting and accept guests. The final strategy I really love is what I call expert shadowing. So if I look at a couple different podcasts and I see somebody active in the freelance space, let's say Brennan Dunn is on a number of podcasts, I might go out and search Brennan Dunn podcast to see, Ooh. well, what podcast has this similar or relevant authority or expert been on since, well, hey, they're in the same industry that we're pitching in. So that's sign number one. And if they're on a podcast as a guest, chances are that podcast will frequently accept guests. So they've done the hard work for us and we're just able to follow in their steps, shadowing them along. That one's a killer. That's a killer strategy right there. You probably should have made us buy the book for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my next question, which is, okay, I find the perfect, you know, 10 podcasts. Now what? Well, I like to coach my clients on figuring out what they want to talk about since as uh, for a couple of my clients, I manage the guests for their podcast. And I've been on the receiving end of the terrible pitches of like, hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. Let me know. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. Why are you emailing me? What's going on? Where am I? So I coach people in the traffic manual and people who I work with in a one on one coaching or consulting relationship to figure out the topics we want to pitch on. Coming from the consulting world, I'm very into the idea of a choice of yeses. I just don't want to show up and say, hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. This is the one thing I want to talk about because that gives the podcast hosts a choice of, yes, I want them to talk about this thing, or no, I don't want them as a guest. By approaching with a choice of yeses, two, three, or four topics that we're an expert at or we could share relevant information on, we're able to say, hey, I'd love to come on your podcast and talk about you know, topic A, topic B, or topic C. Which of these topics would your audience really enjoy hearing more about? Is the next step, let me know, and then we could figure out the scheduling. So for the podcast hosts, they're able to say, oh, wow, topic two sounds great, but let's mix in a little of topic one. And so we've bypassed the whole, yes, no, I want this person on my podcast and jump to, oh, yeah, let's craft a topic based on a choice of yeses that matches up with the audience. So I coach my clients on looking at areas of expertise, things that they're good at. So if they're a marketing consultant, well, what are you good at as a marketing consultant? expensive problems, things that they typically solve for their clients. So if they frequently work on search engine optimization projects, well, what do clients frequently come to you saying, I'm pulling my hair out, I can't solve this issue. If you're able to talk about that for 20 or 30 minutes, that makes a great topic for a podcast. Beyond that, I like focusing on unconventional opinions. Is there anything you think about that goes against the grain in your industry? If so, that's a perfect opportunity to say, well, everybody in the industry is saying you need to use value-based pricing as a consultant. Here's why I think that's foolish, or here's the different tack that I take. So by figuring out those topics, we're able to move forward to the next really essential step, which is pitching, outreach. And I like following a multi-part outreach system. So if I identify 10 podcasts, I have my list of topics to pitch on, I'll move forward, reach out to the podcast host and say, hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. I'd love to teach your audience something interesting. Here's a few topics. Let me know which one is the most interesting to you. Where a lot of people drop the ball is assuming that if they don't hear back from the podcast host on that first email, the podcast host hates them. They never want to work with them. They're, they're a fool for trying to break into the industry. <laughs> 
when okay. the truth is, when the truth is, often the person we're emailing is just busy. We have a cognitive bias to think that if somebody doesn't respond to our email, it's because they dislike us. When most most likely it's, oh, they have 150 emails in their inbox and they didn't get two hours today. So I advise people, plan out an outreach sequence. Don't think about the first, pe- first email you send or the first piece of marketing collateral you send out. Think about the second, the third, and the fifth and write those out ahead of time. So in my own outreach and the outreach on behalf of clients and what I talk about in the traffic manual, I tell people plan out those five emails so the first email might be a pitch saying i'd love to be on your podcast i could teach you your audience about these topics which would be the most relevant and we don't hear back so a week later we send an email and say oh by the way i was just interviewed on the traffic and leads podcast we talked about how podcasting makes sense as a traffic source uh you could listen here i think you'll love this episode let me know if your audience will be interested in something along these lines so what we've done is effectively follow up but also provide more value instead of one of those crappy follow-up emails where it's like hey did you get that that thing I sent you, we're demonstrating that we're active, we're out there, we're an expert in the industry, we're doing other things, and it provides social proof that, oh, this podcast host over here trusted me on this topic or trusted me to come on as a guest. Maybe you'll trust me the same way. And again, let's say we don't hear back from them for whatever reason. They're on vacation, let's say. We have a third email that goes out a week later saying, Oh, by the way, hey, here's an article that I recently wrote that my audience really enjoyed talking about one of the topics I pitched you on. Check it out when you get a chance. So I say the most effective way to get onto a podcast or to build that relationship is to follow up, but do it in a polite, persistent manner. Don't assume when you don't hear back, it means that they hate you or don't want to work with you. It just means they're busy. And whenever you follow up, make sure you're adding value, not just consuming space in their inbox. Share a relevant article, share another interview you've done, share some resource that'll be valuable to the person you're trying to get in touch with. So when they open their email, it's not a needy, hey, I'd really like to be on your thing. Please let me know. It's, oh, hey, by the way, here's something that you'll value or your audience will value. Let's start a conversation based on this. Okay. So what about, so everything you said was send three or more emails. What about nudging them on social? Do you do that too? I don't often just because I found social, social could be a great way to make an initial contact and say, hey, what's your email address if I can't find their email address? But in my own experience with social media and colleagues who have podcasts and run a social media account, it's easy for that message to come in and them to say, oh yeah, uh, I, I, I need to respond to that person person. Let me add that to my to-do list. And then it just drops off the map. Unlike your inbox where you move through it, you process the emails, you respond, there's an importance given to it. If I log into Twitter not right now, I'll probably have something like 45 notifications. Mm-hmm. Maybe 10 of those are people trying to get in touch with me, but I'm going to suddenly feel overwhelmed and oh, I'm going to read this tweet, click on a link. I have to save this <laughs> on Instant Paper and I'm down a rabbit hole. So I found social can be nice to potentially start that conversation with the goal of getting their email address and sort of taking the conversation to a private channel. But nudging over social media has never been that effective as an outreach strategy for me. For some people, it might work perfectly. For me, it's a tactic I tested and said, eh, this doesn't quite get the results I'm looking for. Fair enough. Okay. So I really, I want to, I want to hit a point that you said, which is if you send an email, then it doesn't, if they don't reply, it doesn't mean that they don't hate, that they hate you. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. So obviously when you're emailing like, you know, the John Lee Dumases of the world, then your outreach program, you know, could work. And it definitely like, like that's what, what it has to be because they get so many pitches. What is your general, what's the general feedback on somebody who's not quite so famous and amazing and popular and has a million downloads? Like, do you find that those podcast hosts are more, 
easy to get on their podcast or like, what's the general thing? Do, do a lot of people have like this huge process you have to go through? Or are they really picky? Tell me about that. Quite often. Uh, so in the traffic manual, I tell people, don't immediately go after the titans of the room, the 500 pound gor- or 500 ton gorillas. I'm not sure what the metaphor is. Don't go after the big heavy beasts immediately, partly because I've had friends who've pitched like uh, Pat Flynn and his podcast and they get a response back and it's like, yeah, we're interested. Uh, we're booked up through March of next year. Check back in nine months. And it's like, oh, great. This isn't really going to fit in my marketing strategy, is it? So I encourage people shoot for the middleweights or the lower weights. If you're starting out and have never done a podcast before or haven't really developed a platform for your authority or expertise, it makes more sense to start on friends podcasts, smaller podcasts, podcasts that are starting out because you'll be able to well play with training wheels. It won't be as difficult or challenging or intimidating for you. And it'll be easier to start the relationship with the podcast host. They won't have gatekeepers set up. But if we're pitching at the top end, John Lee DeMoss, Entrepreneur on Fire, Mixer G, large, large podcasts, there's going to be multiple gatekeepers. They're going to have a system in place to weed out people who don't qualify. So you might be able to get on there, but it's going to take a lot more effort. I personally more enjoy smaller or conversations with small to medium-sized podcasts because what I found is there we have a very enfranchised, engaged audience. Each episode might only get 500 downloads or listens, but those 500 listeners are exactly the target market I'm trying to reach. Where when we look at a larger podcast like Mixergy or Entrepreneur on Fire, there's a humongous reach there, but it's almost like a listenership. There mm-hmm. might be a large percentage of the audience that stands out and says like, oh yeah, I'm a consultant like the people you're trying to reach. I want to learn more. But that's going to be a fraction of the audience, and we're going to have to expend so much energy to get that placement. Wouldn't it be better if we just focused on finding those middleweight podcasts where maybe there's an assistant that we have an early conversation with? Maybe there is a small process or procedure to go through, but it's a lot easier to begin that relationship, begin that conversation and say, oh, hey, I'd love to be on the podcast. I'd love to teach your audience something new and line up five, 10 or 20 of those. And suddenly you get a much bigger impact than you would from one larger placement that you have to fight tooth and nail for. Okay. So one of the more popular, um, so what the, what the podcast gurus are saying these days is you get interviewed on a podcast and then you set up a landing page. So I'd set up trafficleads.com slash Kai. If I were to be maybe interviewed on your podcast, when you publish your podcast, Mm -hmm. um, and then you do some sort of content upgrade or some sort of freebie there. Have you seen that strategy work? Is it something you recommend people put time into? Entirely. Uh, the strategy works incredibly well. So uh, I, let me let me share the, the anti-pattern, the anti-behavior, the bad thing you could do here. And then we'll talk about what works really well with this type of landing page strategy. So I'm sure, dear podcast listener who's listening to this right now, you're familiar with the call to action at the end of an episode. The host says, well, hey, uh, if our audience wants to learn more about you, what should they do? And then the guest says something like, well, you could follow me on Twitter at blah, 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 blah. Or uh, you could sign up for my newsletter at site slash newsletter and there's nothing really crispy or sexy or interesting there. You just spent 30 or 45 or 60 minutes talking about your area of expertise. But then when the host goes to like hand you the baton and say, if people want to learn more about you, what do we do? You're dropping it on the ground. And there's nothing really that connects from what you were talking about to that call to action. So I love the idea of setting up either a single purpose landing page. So like you said, traffic and leads slash Kai, or in my case, wyouraudience.com slash leads for the listeners of this podcast as a landing page for people to go to, to learn more about what I'm talking about, sign up for a content upgrade or a small mini course. The other strategy I see a lot of people use effectively is to 
set up a custom domain for a small mini course or a reusable content upgrade. My colleague, Philip Morgan of Philip Morgan Consulting and the PositioningManual.com does this incredibly well. He has a repeatable course set up at PositioningCrashCourse.com. So whenever he's interviewed about positioning for consultants, he knows what his call to action is going to be. He just spent 30 minutes talking about positioning for consultants. And at the end, when the host says, if people want to learn more about you, what should they do? He's able to say, you should check out PositioningCrashCourse.com and sign up for my free course on how to position yourself to get more leads. And it makes it really easy and effective for the audience to say, I just heard this person talk about this thing. I hear this call to action connects to the thing they talked about. And now I'm on a page that talks about exactly the thing they talked about on the interview, but gives me more, provides me with more opportunities to learn. So I highly recommend those two approaches in the traffic manual. They're very effective ways at converting the right listeners from the audience into subscribers and members of your audience. Love it. Okay. So now I want to talk about your domain name for a minute, doubleyouraudience.com. You, you named your, your whole company or your domain name that. How, how, how are you saying that? What do, what do people do when they get there? And what, what are your top three strategies on doubling your audience? So the first thing is, I think I, I, I talk a lot to consultants in my marketing and my work. And there's a focus on selling today. Somebody has to be a lead or a prospect today, or eh, what good are they going to be? We could imagine presenting to, say, a Chamber of Commerce meeting with 50 people in the audience there, and we say, like, if you want to work with me, get in touch. And maybe two people raise their hand. But there's 48 people left in the room who aren't yet ready to work together, but maybe are interested in learning a little more or being nurtured and figuring out, well, hey, in a year or six months, I'll be ready to take action. So. I encourage consultants to shift out of the paradigm of thinking of people only as potential leads and prospects to sell to, and instead think, well, how could I build up an audience of people who are ready to buy in three or six or 12 months? And when you adopt that mindset, it's a lot easier to say, well, these are people that are going to buy down the line. Let me nurture them. Let me educate them. Let me share relevant case studies or articles or examples with them. So when it comes time for them to work with me, they're able to say, ah, we we have this problem. You know, I've been on this guy's email list for the last six months and he really knows his stuff, let me give him a call or her a call and we'll work, start that process of working together. That makes sense. So essentially snagging that all important email address and then continually staying in contact with them. Entirely, entirely. We, we can think about it as you show up at a party, you meet somebody and you're like, oh, do you want to get a drink today? No, okay, I'm never going to talk to you again. Or hey, let's have a friendship. Let's build a relationship. Let's start that conversation and slowly build up to the point of sale. It's absurd to think if we're on a podcast or do any sort of marketing material or marketing outreach reach, the people we get in touch with are immediately going to be ready to buy from us. They don't have that level of relationship yet. But by cultivating an audience and building a relationship with the members of that audience, then you're able to say, hey, you've been on my list. You've been receiving my emails for the last two months. Here's a thing I put together that'll teach you how to solve this problem that you've probably been experiencing if you've been on this list. Would you like to buy it? And by that point, people have built up a high enough level of trust with you. You've educated them. You've taught them. You've you've shown them that you actually are a trustworthy source of information, that that buying decision is a lot easier for them to make, be it purchasing a product, buying a course or hiring you as a consultant. Fair enough. All right. So now I want to talk about something I think I saw on your website. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I wanted to go to SEO. And I believe on your website, you said something along the lines of um, SEO is not the way it used to be. You may have even been more bold than that and said like SEO is dead. Did you? Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you say that? I did. I did. It's, It's a talking point I use quite frequently. Okay. Well, give me your spiel on that. Let's hear it. 
Absolutely. So, so this is a perfect example of the uh, unconventional or controversial opinion that I talked about earlier. Yeah, I was even scared topics. to say it. I was afraid <laughs> that I was misquoting it. Yeah, and it's and like it gets attention. People are like, yeah, "SEO is dead." What does that mean? Let's let's talk about this. And so, the way we used to practice SEO is dead. The strategies and tactics that make sense in SEO, on-site optimization, knowing who your audience is, targeting the right keywords, those all make sense. Like when we think about it, it's sort of basic ideas. Well, if we have a page that talks about digital outreach or digital public relations, well, we want to make sure the title and the headline on that page talk about that thing. So when a human shows up, they're like, oh, this is a page about digital public relations. Okay. It mentions digital public relations in the article. Okay. It, it makes sense to them. And similarly to a robot like Google, when they see the page, they're able to say, okay, title, headline, and the content, they're all about this keyword. Hey, great. So that part of SEO still makes sense. What I think is dead about SEO is the focus on just pure quantity of links. We've seen things in the past five years like Panda and Penguin updates pushing people away from link spam or low quality backlink networks. What I focus on with my clients when I do an SEO engagement is saying, how can we attract a smaller number but a higher quality of links? So focusing on link quality and link relevance over link quantity. My philosophy and what I've seen on countless engagements is if we get 10, 20, or 50 high quality links, it'll be more impactful than getting 500 spammy links. So I'm focused on, and this is a recurring theme we could see here, building relationships with the relevant communities, finding opportunities to promote that product or service, and then using that promotion as an opportunity to get a link. In a sense, it's link building where the link is a MacGuffin. It's a piece of sawdust that comes out of the relationship, but what we're really doing is focusing on building a relationship. A great example and a case study on my site is an engagement I had with a uh, e-commerce company where they said, you know, we just were hit by a, a Google update. Our traffic has flatlined. We're really freaking out here. What can we do? And so we work together to identify relevant communities, relevant bloggers, and say, hey, you people are running blogs here talking about the type of products we sell and reaching an audience that's our ideal audience. Let's build a relationship. Let's brainstorm like fun public relations and marketing ways we could work together. Maybe you want to review our product. Maybe we do a giveaway together. Maybe we figure out some other promotional opportunity. And through that opportunity, we get the short-term traffic boost of exposure to their audience. We also get that medium and long-term boost of a high-quality relevant link. As long as there's that relevancy between the people we're trying to reach, the sites that are linking to us, and the content on our own site, the link to Google looks high quality and high relevancy. It's when we get into tactics like low quality private blog networks or link spam or uh, shitty outsourced SEO that we see negative results. So when I say SEO is dead, what I mean is the way the general public, people who purchase SEO services have been trained to think about SEO, that methodology is dead. Instead, we need to view search engine optimization as almost public relations or mm -hmm. relationship building. How could we find those relevant communities? How could we find an opportunity to work together? And through that work, we end up getting a high quality link, maybe even better than we could have from blind outreach or link spam. Fair enough. I love that. Okay. So... If I have just started a website or a blog and I'm, and I'm dedicated to blogging about my topic for, you know, tw two or three times a week, mm -hmm. what are your top traffic tips on how to start, first of all, um, promoting my content, but second of all, getting traffic to my website? Can you go over your favorite tips? Great question. So there's there's two tips that I really, really love sharing. One is on the content creation side and one is on the promotion side. So on the content creation side, a struggle I always had for, we're talking six plus years here, is I always set up the blog, had the best intention, and 
had no clue what the hell I was going to write about. I'd have the domain up and I'd say, I want to write a post. And three hours later, I'd still be sitting at my computer staring at the blank word editor. What I found is by surveying my audience, either people I already had on my email list or just people out in the wild and finding the questions that they're naturally asking. So typically, so when I started writing about SEO and outreach, I'd go on the search engine optimization subreddit. And I just say like, yeah, sort by all posts ever on here and the most popular ones at the top and see, well, what questions are at the top here. What are people most frequently asking about? What gets voted to the top? Okay, this is a question that if 500 people have commented on it, obviously it's a hot issue. Well, now I have a topic here. I have a question that people are literally screaming out into the void of the internet asking for help on. Let me write a thousand or 500 word article responding to that question. So we solve the content creation problem of what exactly do I write about by focusing on questions that our audience is already asking. If you, if the listener has an email list or a collection of people that they built up, you could directly survey them and say, hey, you know, I'm starting a new blog. It's about search engine optimization or insert topic here. Uh, what's, what's the number one problem you've run into this in the past? And see who writes back. Maybe it's only five people, but those five people might give you two or three good questions. And now you have the topics for those first few articles. In terms of generating traffic, what I found works really well is similar to the methodology we just talked about for finding content ideas. When we search around, find that topic, find that forum where somebody's like, hey, you know what? I have no clue how to get more traffic online. What exactly should I do? And 50 people chime in saying like, we don't know either. There's got to be a good way. Well, when you write that article talking about, hey, this is a methodology you could use. This is an answer you could use. Share it there. Not just spamming the link and saying, go check out my article here, but almost writing a mini blog post where you're like, hey, it's a great question. How do you get more traffic? Well, what do we mean by that? Here's a couple ideas. And by the way, I've written more about it on my site here. So we're able to take people who are in the wild asking about the topic and then naturally transition them over to reading our site saying here's a short summary version of the answer to the question you're asking and i've written a longer version over here and in my personal experience that's how i went from zero email subscribers to my first few hundred just by finding these threads in the wild people asking these questions and sharing relevant information with them and i really have to credit uh, amy hoy and the 30 by 500 course for this it's a course on product creation that she holds, uh, it used to hold annually, now I believe it's evergreen, but I credit her entirely for this approach. It's how I bootstrapped the first part of my list and my traffic growth, and it's a wonderful method for finding people in the wild who have the problems you're working on solving, sharing resources with them, and then converting them to members of your audience and getting that all-important traffic. Very cool. And I'm guessing that it doesn't matter if the original question on any of those forums and stuff was asked three years ago, if it's still relevant and you still have a relevant answer, because people will continually be coming back to this post and will find your share, your article. Entirely. And I'm sure we could think of cases where we searched online, like late at night, how the, how the hell do I do this WordPress thing? And we find that three-year-old post where it's like, oh my God, they're asking the same question I am. Yeah. And nobody responded with the answer. Well, if you're the person who suddenly responds with that answer, the, pers- the next person out there who searches and finds that thread that through some miracles at the top of Google for that exact problem, they're going to see you saying like, oh, if you're trying to, you know, get a round image on this thing or do this weird WordPress thing, hey, here's the quick summary of it. But for more information, check out my site here. And once they're on your site, now you're able to hit them with a call to action of like, well, if you want more tips on optimizing WordPress or uh, getting more traffic or promoting your content, hey, you could drop your email in here and here's a content upgrade or here's a lead magnet or here's an additional resource that will help teach you even more. Love it. I love that, Kai. That's powerful info. Um, So when you're doing SEO for clients of yours, is that 100% your strategy or do you do any 
other like ancillary link building to directories and stuff like that? I, I 99% of the time avoid uh, link building through directories or link building through mass market sites like that. My hunch is and my strong suspicion is Google discounts a lot of the value of those links. So totally. unless, unless it's a really, really specialized directory like attorneys in Eugene, Oregon, it's not going to be as relevant. So I'm really focused on whenever I do link building for a client, step one, who is our audience? Step two, where does our audience hang out online? Step three, what questions are our audience asking? What problems are they raising that connect to the services we offer or the knowledge we have as experts in this industry? And step four, let's find an opportunity to share this information with them. Maybe it's going on a relevant podcast. I've worked with clients before where the link building strategy has been, let's get on six podcasts a month because we know the podcast is going to link to our site. Mm -hmm. The podcast is going to have a bunch of links pointing at it. And the podcast is going to get a short-term traffic and long-term link juice. For other clients, it's been focusing on reviews. For other clients, it's been content creation. But the unifying thread there is we start with the audience, we research the audience and figure out where they hang out online, and then we move forward to create content that directly appeals to that audience. And when we follow that pattern, that framework, it's a lot easier than, hey, I made an infographic. Okay, who's going to link to it now? Which I've run into a lot of times with other consultants who work in the link building space. We create the content first and then pray somebody will link to it. But when we start with the audience first, we already know who's going to link to it and we could craft something incredibly valuable, incredibly salient that they desperately want. And when we create it, they're going to say, oh, yeah, great. I want to link to that. Let's get started. Love it. That is the per, I mean, that's just like, you, you summed it up so well. If anybody listens to anything on this podcast, listen to that last paragraph that Kai just shared uh, with us. Um, okay, Kai, I have used all of your time today. Before it's time to go, can you please tell us where to find you? Any awesome places we can go to get um, some cool content from you and anything we need to know about you, please? Absolutely. So uh, for any listener that wants to learn a little more about me, you could check out my website at doubleyouraudience.com and you could also go to doubleyouraudience.com forward slash leads. And if you go there, you'll be able to drop your email address into a beautiful, beautiful form and get my content promotion checklist, some additional resources on promotion promoting your traffic, increasing or promoting your content, increasing your traffic and leads and a discount on my book, The Traffic Manual, exclusive to listeners of this podcast. Awesome. Thank you again, Kai. That is our episode of Traffic and Leads, the Traffic and Leads podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, One Click Lindsay from TrafficandLeads.com, where your solution to slow growth is just one click away. You've been listening to the Traffic and Leads podcast, featuring online marketing expert, One Click Lindsay. Tune in each week to experience Lindsay's unique gift for helping entrepreneurs and small business owners accelerate the growth of their business by strategically getting them more traffic and powerful leads. To make sure you don't miss a single business building show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and OneClickLindsay.com. If you know someone who would benefit from more traffic and leads, please tell them about the Traffic and Leads podcast. And finally, to learn more about working with Lindsay and her dedicated team of marketing experts, please visit OneClickLindsay.com. Now go and implement what you've learned. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Traffic and Leads podcast. And remember, the solution to your slow growth is just one click away.